So I really have had to, in layers, I didn't just sit down one day and pull all this apart, but in layers and um, phases, look at how my relationship to and with money was showing up in my business and holding me back in so many ways that if I had not looked at that, that I would be stuck at a plateau. I'd be stuck at, you know, at like a 4k month that I was in the beginning of my business. And again, it's not about how much money I make, but it's about the impact I want to have and the amount of overflow I want to be able to then give back to my community. So it's, it is important to me to, um, have an abundance of money in the bank account so that I can show up in my highest energy. Welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast, a show about creative female entrepreneurs and the businesses they've built. I'm your host, Naomi Mdudu, the Lifestyle Edit founder, business strategist, and coach to creative female founders ready to scale their businesses with intention. Each week, I sit down with a guest to pull back the curtain on the strategies successful entrepreneurs are implementing to scale their income and increase their impact. We are cutting out the fluff to give you weekly insights to uplevel your mindset and tap into your infinite potential to create a life and business you love on your own terms. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. Sarah Small, welcome to the Lifestyle Edit podcast. Thank you so much for having me on today. I am so thrilled to have you. I was just saying to Sarah before we got started that I've been following her Instagram um, for some time and I've just, everyone go and check it out because I just love how you marry business and strategy and the scaling component Mm -hmm. with the heart, the service, and just really talking about some of the mindset up leveling that comes with growing a business with with heart Um, because what we don't see when we're watching other people kind of scaling their business is so much of the personal development and self excavating that happens mm-hmm. as you're growing. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into that in today's episode. But before we do that, can you just share a little bit about your journey? How have you come to do what you do? Who do you serve and how do you serve them? Absolutely. Thank you so much. And my My mission is currently to serve empath entrepreneurs, women who have been through challenges, through chronic illness, through trauma, through hardship in their life. And they want to take that thing that could be perceived as negative and and they want to be able to take everything they learned from it and serve the world, the world now with that message. And I definitely uh, believe in more of a holistic strategy to the way that, that I show up in my life and business, but also that I uh, encourage and mentor my clients to do so that they're not just looking at how do I gain more followers on Instagram, but instead, uh, what is, what is the energetic frequency that you need to have so that you're in alignment with your goals and with your desires? And I love working into the subconscious, but I didn't just wake up one day and say, this is what I want to do with my life. Like there was a lot of a journey that led me to here. And, uh, the main, uh, parts of my journey really included autoimmune disease and chronic illness where I, I felt that hardship. I felt that challenge. I felt, uh, just like my body was against me for so many years. I realize now it wasn't, but I, I definitely fell into that uh, victimhood for a while of, you know, 
why is this happening to me? Why do I have to be sick? Why do I have to have debilitating anxiety, fibromyalgia, celiac disease, vitiligo, and just all these things were coming up. And um, I realized now that they were messages from my body and my, my body was actually just trying to get my attention and, and show me a way to heal. But it was through that journey that I found holistic medicine and mindfulness and yoga and meditation. And then my, my biggest cracking open uh, to date happened when I lost my brother Jordan to suicide four years ago. And it was in that moment that uh, I had I had been at a plateau kind of in my life where there was a lot of emotional inflammation. I just wasn't getting where I wanted to go. And um, I, I crumbled down in such a way that it allowed me to rebuild in a more conscious way and look at a lot of the emotions that I had been denying and hiding away in different cracks and crevices for many, many years. And by looking at a lot of the, that emotion, I, I healed so deeply. And that was kind of when I had this aha moment of, hmm, there's more to healing than food. And what if I really started to dive into more of the subconscious and emotional healing and o opening up my intuitive abilities? And that's where I saw just so much magic start to happen. So I love to bring that into um, my, with my clients and, and my message and how I serve the world today. Oh, there's so much in that that I want to unpack because I feel like there's going to be so many people listening who have gone through similar types of experiences and now having been on the other side of that are mm -hmm. seeing that they want to be able to now teach other people about how they've been able to do that. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of imposter syndrome that can come up to be like, I've only done it with me. I haven't got all of these clients mm -hmm. I've ever done mm -hmm. this with. How did you navigate that? Because I know that you've done a lot of training. You've got your NLP certification. You've got mm. a lot. What mm. would you say to somebody that's getting that nudge because mm. they have had that kind of personal transformation? Yeah, I think that there is so much healing power in sharing your story and sharing what you've learned along your journey. And yes, uh, all the heart-centered people out there are going to want to share to help other people, but I found that in the process, I learned so much myself and I really did so much self-healing through helping others and serving others and just sharing my story and sharing my message. So I find that there's layers to having the confidence to, to step out and actually start sharing that, that go far beyond the people you're actually talking to. And instead, there's a lot of internal work that comes up. And I'm sure you can relate that uh, entrepreneurship, starting your own business is the greatest self-personal development journey. Like I feel like you could Tell ever go on. <laughs> all your stuff comes up. It's all right in front of you and you have to confront it or you're not going to you know move forward in your, your business. So uh, that's been incredible. and. If there's anyone wondering, you know, am I, do I have the credentials? Am I, you know, I'm not an expert yet in, in questioning whether their story is worth sharing. Well, I also want to remind them that even if somebody else, first of all, their, their story is unique. There's no one like you on this planet. But even if somebody else is talking about something similar, there are people out there who need to hear it from your voice, not his or her voice. Again, even if it's a similar message, 
it's going to be received and you're going to deliver it in a different, a completely unique way than anybody else on this planet. And when you can realize that that, that is part of your superpower is your uniqueness and the way in which you deliver your message, then it's a disservice to the world to not be sharing it. And I, I kind of, I kept bringing that into my mind and into my, my thoughts as I was starting my business. Cause there was, of course there was imposter syndrome. Of course there was days where I doubted myself, but I kept going knowing that, that first of all, there was this internal drive that I, I like had to keep going, but also just reminding myself that even if this is reaching one person, that, th- that might really impact that one person today. And I'm healing myself through this process too. So uh, that, that, that kept me showing up. Even when, you know, I, I didn't wake up and have 34,000 followers on Instagram. I, I was speaking to deaf ears for a while, but I kept going. And I, I started building and, and starting to, to build connections and momentum in my business that you don't start at somebody else's middle. So don't compare yourself to somebody else's middle or somebody else's end. You're starting at your beginning and that gets to look like whatever it looks like for now. And it's going to evolve and it's going to change. So uh, everyone's story is worth sharing. Amen. How did you reconcile your desire to aid people having experienced some of these transformations in yourself and actually turning this into a business? Mm. I started my business when I still had debilitating anxiety and I was waking up and having numerous panic attacks a day, but I, there was something deeper just in, it's like an internal knowing, maybe higher self, like that was just Sarah, do it anyways, do it anyways. Like it was so effing scary, but I, I felt like there was just something telling me do it anyways. And so I was not perfectly healed. I was far from a, I'm still far from a perfect human being. Uh, I was at that time still experiencing cystic acne, a lot of food anxiety, like a lot of stuff was still coming up for me, but I started anyways. And I, I, I've seen this circulate on social media before. There's some quote that's like, you know, the only difference between you and the person that, you know, is doing all the things that, that you want to do is that that person started. And if you, you know, wait five years, well, think about all the people that you could have impacted in those five years. So I am still imperfect human being and I show up in my imperfect, perfectly imperfectness, knowing that that makes me more relatable to, to my audience, to this community. When I show up and I tell them, like, I just got back from LA, two weeks in LA for another training and so much shadow came up. I, the anxiety resurfaced after years and it was hard and it was challenging. And like, I wanted to fly home and I, I'm, wasn't afraid to tell people that and to express that like, I'm also just a human who's still figuring life out. Um, and, but I think if anyone listening is in the beginning of their stages of their business, remember that you only have to be one, two, three steps ahead of the person that you're talking to, to have a huge impact. Or in this case, like I'm sharing my vulnerability and I'm sharing, Hey, it's hard for me to be in LA those two weeks. Well, 
that doesn't mean that like I now I'm not qualified to coach people. It's just me showing that I'm a real ass human being and I experience challenges too to be more relatable. So I would actually encourage people to not be perfectly healed and to not have everything together and to start anyways and show up and be vulnerable, share your story, share the, the dark spots that you've learned from. Yeah. Do you have, what's your rule if you have any at all about those vulnerable shares? Do you, I try to share them when I have enough to give a bit of a value behind it. So it's not just me like, (laughs) I think that's what we, what people can get scared because there's so much now about you got to be vulnerable in your posts, Mm -hmm. but there's this kind of delicate balancing act between it being remembering that this is a business that you're trying mm-hmm. to aid people to have transformation, but trying to usher in that connection. How yeah. do you kind of balance that? Yes. I have more of a template for how I share those personal stories versus using it like a diary. So, you know, I have my journal and my journal is more of a personal, right? Where it's like a brain dump and I'm just letting out all my feelings and I'm talking about, you know, some of the things I'm in the middle of going through. That's more of my place to just express all flavors of emotion. When I'm considering sharing something on social media, I'm not afraid to share some of those shadowy parts, the the challenges I'm experiencing, but I don't want to do it in a state of, um, so Caroline, Caroline Mace, uh, Mace talks about four different archetypes and there's the Uh, saboteur, the child, the uh, prostitute, and the victim. And if I'm showing up in any of those archetypes through my post, then it's a good sign it's not time to post it. So the victim is probably the most obvious one where it's like, poor me, oh my God, this happened to me today. Okay, that's not going to inspire anybody. That's complaining. The child is like, this isn't fair. And they think the world revolves around them. That's not going to serve anyone to the highest good if I think the world revolves around me. Um, The prostitute is when you sell yourself short and you're not, um, you're people pleasing. So I'm also not, I don't want to post from a place of just trying to please somebody with, with any of my content. Um, and then the saboteur is a self-sabotager. So if I feel like I'm going, if I'm in the middle of going through something that might not be the time to, to talk about it. Cause I don't know exactly also what the lesson is going to be that surfaces through it. So I don't always wait until I've figured everything out, um, in my vulnerability, but I do consider what um, energy am I putting into this post? And is there some sort of takeaway or lesson or inspiration or relatability piece that people are going to get from it? And if not, then it's for my journal and it's not for um, social media. What a great filter to put that through. I love that. Thank you for that. And especially because this is such a heart-centered business, how did you get that confidence to start charging especially with somebody like you who has poured so much into your education and in the delivery for your clients how have you been able to navigate that can you repeat that last part sorry you broke up sorry I'll start the whole thing again so especially as a heart-centered business how have you been able to reconcile with charging considering the type of impact that you want to give and especially for someone like you who has poured a lot of your time and resource in making sure that you 
are armed with all of the tools and the resources to aid that transformation for your clients? Yes. I love this question. And I definitely have women in my community coming to me and saying, I am afraid to ask for money. I'm afraid to charge. And then more so I'm afraid to charge what I really want to charge because I'm afraid no one's going to pay, pay me for this work. Shouldn't this be free? And I have several things that I usually respond to with this. The first is that it should always be an equal exchange of energy. So I know people listening have downloaded some freebie at some point in their lifetime. You know, a checklist for this, a free ebook for that, a free detox guide, like whatever it is that you're downloading. And I want you to consider how much do you value that thing you downloaded for free? or even that you receive for free, if you've been to like, I don't know, some big event and they give you like a goodie bag of free stuff. Like, do you value that? Or if you left that at the park bench down there, like, would you actually care? Uh, do you actually read the eBooks that you download for free? Like, were, like, do you read the whole thing? <laughs> and, um, what I find is that the, the, the transformation doesn't, typically come from those free experiences or free things. And it's not because they're free. Cause I think people, you know, being uh, philanthropic and giving back is a beautiful thing. And, and that can be transformational, but when there you bring money into the conversation and stop looking at money as some negative thing or some greedy or selfish thing, and instead look at money as a neutral energy. And if it's just a neutral energy, I mean, if you want to break it down, literally it's just paper, or numbers on our computer screen. So it, it, it's not inherently good or bad. It's just neutral energy. And when I were to you know, pay for your service, for example, or pay for a product at a store, well, now there's an exchange of energy. I'm receiving something from you, your time, your knowledge, your energy, your wisdom, or a physical product, if that's what I'm purchasing. And I'm giving money, which is energy in return. There's an exchange of energy. And when you have more uh, skin in the game, more energy in the game, well, that's going to hold you more accountable to the results that you actually desire. So I could give away free intuitive readings or free business coaching sessions, and somebody could show up and they could get some value from that. But let's say they paid $500 for my one hour or something along those lines. Well, don't you think they're really going to show up now and they're really going to be attentive and they're really going to put into action the things that I might suggest or recommend to them. So there's this exchange of energy that's happening when we do charge, uh, aligned price or an, I like to use the word investment more than price. So they're investing into you and you're investing into them by giving what, what you know, or, or the resources or the healing tools or modalities or techniques. And then I also like to remind people that you're not actually getting paid for the, let's say, hour of coaching that you're giving. So yes, you're, you're literally or quite physically showing up for an hour of, of your time, but you're also bringing into that hour the hundreds of hours you've studied, the thousands of dollars you may have spent into your own certifications and learning what you've learned to be able to hold space for that person for an hour. And it's a powerful, powerful thing to have that human connection for an hour and even just let somebody be heard for an hour. So when you consider all the value you're bringing into an hour, then we can, th can 
that we can remember that it's not just about an hourly rate and what your time is worth, but everything else you're bringing into that. And then also that there needs to be an equal exchange of energy to actually be of service to your, I think we're doing our clients actually a favor by putting some price point, some investment onto our services so that they are also um, putting skin in the game and showing up in uh, holding themselves more accountable to their goals. So those are a few of the things that go into charging, even though you are a heart-centered, loving, compassionate person who wants to give back to the world, and you can do that. But think about how much more you can give back to the world if your bills are paid, and if you have a place, a roof over your head, and you are nourished and eating healthy food and being able to sustain your life force energy. Now you can actually give back more to the world versus if you were just giving free services away left and right and not taking care of yourself. It's so interesting that you said that. And I love that you ended there because I think so much of it is about a financial temperature and Mm -hmm. increasing our capacity to have. Because very often, like you said, we can First of all, we're, we're pricing based on, I just want my basic needs to be covered, right? Yeah. Basic yeah. needs. And then what you don't realize is that there's a, there's more mindset work that needs to have once your basic needs aren't covered to get mm-hmm. over that. It's not greedy to actually receive more than just no. survival mode. Yeah. When you are highly compensated for your valuable work and you're able to yes meet your basic needs but then also beyond to like actually feel nourished and like you have overflow to give to the world because I'm I'm sure you've heard the saying right you can't pour from an empty cup well if your cup is empty and you're still you know so full of love in an energetic way that you want to keep giving and giving and giving and pouring well you're going to burn out. It's, it's going to happen eventually. You're going to burn out or you're not going to be able to pay your bills or whatever. Like, and then you're going to start have to have to ask for help in your life. Whereas if we're feeling highly compensated for our valuable work, now we can let our cup be consistently, sustainably full, and we can have lots of excess and overflow to give back. To, to donate to our favorite causes, to give away free sessions here and there, but at, at, you're not operating from that base level of empty, and instead you're operating from a base level of full, and it's the excess and the overflow that you get to give back to the world. What are some of the money mindset work that you've had to do as you've evolved, both as you've been kind of investing in yourself, but also in the way that you interact with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, very much came from, well, I had a laundry list of limiting beliefs around, uh, around money. And I think for, for many of us, it, you know, goes all the way back to childhood, the way we saw our parents interact with money, uh, the way that we've seen people treat money, the, the money that we had or didn't have as, as a child and growing up. And then the way that, yeah, again, we see the relationships with money. And so a lot of what I saw was avoid money. So if you are stressed about paying a bill, just push it into the corner and just let it sit over there. It'll do its own thing. Um, so a lot of avoidance around money. And then uh, very much ingrained, I'm still pulling pieces of this one apart, but um, the harder you work, the more money you'll make. Yes. And- Oh my gosh. It's not true. (laughs) Not, it's not true. I mean, there's people who work two hours a day and they're millionaires. Like it's, but 
that's, I saw evidence that it was true or I believed it to be true. I took on that belief as a young child. So I've had to loosen it and loosen it and keep pulling it apart. And then I feel like I've pulled it all apart. And then it kind of like, you know, kind of clings back into, I notice myself thinking that again, I'm like, Oh, I just need to do more and then I'll make more money. And I, I have to consistently remind myself that's not actually true. So th- those are just two examples of many that I've personally needed to work through in order to be able to get to my next level. Uh, Another one that I think has been really important in transformational for me is that money does not on a, on a basic level an inherent level equal safety and safety is one of my top values um, in in neuro-linguistic programming. There's a values exercise we do and safety is towards the top. Um, And so when I had an association of money to safety, now in order to get my safety need or value met, I was desperate for money and I I needed money, money, money. That was how I was going to feel safe in my life. Well, that is completely false, even though my brain had many reasons to believe it to be true. And, and, you know, um, the old version of me did create that connection for some reason that was, you know, trying to protect herself at a younger age. But as I pulled this apart, I realized money does not inherently equal safety. Safety is, is, is just an inherent feeling in your body. That's not to do with money. And as I've, really pulled that apart because it was pretty stuck together, but I really pulled that apart. All of a sudden I realized, oh no, I'm already safe. I'm already safe in my body. And you know, I think a lot of the anxiety I was experiencing fed into that as well. And then I let money be this neutral energy that we just put stories and emotions and beliefs to it. It is not inherently anything. It is a number. It is a piece of paper. But we've assigned so much and so many rules to it that are just simply not true. So I really have had to, in layers, I didn't just sit down one day and pull all this apart, but in layers and um, phases, look at how my relationship to and with money was showing up in my business and holding me back in so many ways that if I had not looked at that, that I would be stuck at a plateau. I'd be stuck at, you know, at like a 4k month that I was in the beginning of my business. And again, it's not about how much money I make, but it's about the impact I want to have and the amount of overflow I want to be able to then give back to my community. So it's, it is important to me to, um, have an abundance of money in the bank account so that I can show up in my highest energy, not um, just so that it can sit there, if that makes sense. (laughs) I want to quickly pause this episode to let you know that our 12-month Thrive Mastermind is officially open. Friends, scaling a business doesn't need to feel overwhelming, nor should it feel like a strain. That's why over the years, I've worked with countless service-based female founders just like you to scale the work they love while increasing their impact and income in a way that allows them to be fully present in their lives. In Thrive, we support you to step into the CEO role of your business. How? By helping you transition out of being the bottleneck by getting crystal clear on the high leverage activities you're uniquely positioned to do while providing you with a framework to automate and delegate the rest. 
So Thrive is for you if you know you're suffering from analysis paralysis and you're battling with limiting beliefs that you know are holding you back from taking consistent action but are ready to lean in and do the inner work. It is for you if you're overwhelmed with information and done trying to figure out everything on your own and you want support from a mentor who's been there and can help you build a profitable business that actually feels good and expansive to run. Thrive is for you if you're fed up with inconsistency in your income and are ready to consistently attract clients you love working with and want to surround yourself with people who encourage you to up-level, who truly get you and are just as committed to growing as you are. So, doors only open a few times a year and we have limited spots, so head to thelifestyleedit.com to learn more. 100% and I want to drill down on that like what that process has looked like in terms of like tangibly changing those beliefs because mm-hmm. for me just some of the things that have really helped for me is like being part of a mastermind was a game changer because yeah. for the first time I was in a community where a lot of the things that were dreams of mine these other women were already embodying and I was able mm-hmm. to change that belief because for the first time I had examples of women who were embodying exactly what I wanted and Mm -hmm. taking the time to really do the shadow work and asking myself like if I'm not asking for the sale why am I not doing that like what is the belief that underpins that and what is the gap between what I'm believing now and then that higher version of myself Mm -hmm. what does she believe and then Mm -hmm. like sitting in that discomfort in the gap yeah yeah I wonder what that's like for you Oh my gosh, there are so many things to say about this because it's one thing to say, I want more money or I want to not think that thing, that belief, I, I want to not have that belief anymore. And those are more um, pain inspired <clears throat> goals. So you're moving away from what you don't want. Well, I don't want this anxiety anymore. I don't want to feel stressed around paying my bills anymore. I don't want, okay. So that pain can be a powerful motivator to get us started and to get us on our feet and going towards our goal. But eventually we want to put our goals in more of a towards language of, all right, so if that, if that was gone, then what would you desire? What are you moving towards in a pleasure uh, motive or based motivation? So I really had to look at my own goals and what I wanted to change within my belief system and say, am I moving and running away from what I don't want? Or am I actually moving towards what I do want away versus towards? And then we have our conscious and our subconscious mind. And the academic term is actually unconscious, but some people misinterpret that, but they're used simultaneously in NLP. So we have the sub slash unconscious and then the conscious mind. The conscious mind is only 10% of our, our how much we're using it. And then it's 90% in the subconscious or or unconscious. Um, And so when we have a goal and we say, I want this, or I want to believe this, and I don't want to, you know, think that you have to work hard to make money anymore. Instead, I want to believe that um, money comes easily and effortlessly to me um, on a continuous basis and increasing quantities. That's a Bob Proctor affirmation. And so it's like, 
here's this goal up here in space and it's trying to come and penetrate into your mind. Well, it's going to come into your conscious mind and you're going to think of how you want to, to truly believe that and shift your programming. But we have what's called the critical factor. And the critical factor is like a wall that is between the conscious and the subconscious. It's, it's an imaginary wall. You can't like map this out in your brain, but, but that goal is going to just bounce off the wall. It's like, nope, closed for business, cannot enter. But change actually happens in our subconscious programming. So if we're just consciously thinking about this is what I want and this is what I want to believe and just catching our thoughts, well, yeah, that's going to be helpful, but it's not going to penetrate through the critical factor and into the subconscious mind where change is more sustainable and more, more permanent change happens. So in order to make that that wall of the critical factor more porous and more loose and, and um, translucent so that the goal can actually go into the subconscious mind. And if we have like all these positive and negative beliefs floating around in the subconscious, it's like you're turning that negative belief of same example. Uh, you have, I have to work hard to make money. You're just going and you're actually changing that, the, the, foundation of that belief into whatever you want to replace it with. So it's also important, again, with the, the away from versus towards to know, well, if I'm getting rid of this belief, what am I going to replace it with? I need to replace it with something. So you would replace that, that limiting belief maybe with something, like I said before, money comes easily and effortlessly to me. How do we actually make the, that critical factor porous? Well, we have to, uh, use different, there's many modalities, but we have to be able to use one of these modalities that allows the, the thoughts that we're consciously thinking to, to scoot through into the subconscious. So those are things like, um, some meditation, some prayer, um, hypnosis is a really powerful one. Emotional freedom technique tapping is a very powerful one. Uh, and, and certain styles of breath work are also very powerful for subconscious reprogramming. And they're loosening that, that sturdy wall that we've built to protect ourselves. And we're allowing the change and the new thought to actually penetrate into our mind in a more, again, sustainable or permanent way that now we don't have to keep catching ourselves thinking that negative thing and changing it. It's just a shift. You can feel it in your body and your frequency and your energy. It has shifted now. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of mindset work goes wrong. We just think, oh, I need to change my thoughts. Well, yes, start changing your thoughts. Be aware of your thoughts. That's the first step for sure. But then do some of the subconscious work so it actually changes in your mind. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love all of that. And one of the things that I've started doing from an action perspective is thinking like, what are some of the habits that that version of myself would do? Yes. So she believes this, but what are the habits that support those beliefs? So, okay, I can't yet believe that right now because I don't have any evidence that that mm -hmm. is true. So how can I start to adopt some of those habits? Mm -hmm. And the more I start to show up for those habits, I start to now believe, I now have evidence, which ends up being like the turbo fuel for me to have that consistency. And that mm -hmm. starts to confirm the beliefs that I am that person, if that makes sense. I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that's a powerful step in this process too, is how are you going to embody that that new belief if you don't have this the habits the actions to support it so 
we can reverse engineer that and go, okay, what would it look like if I was already that version of myself that had this belief or was making this much money or helping this many people in the world? How would she show up? What would her habits be? What would she be saying to herself in her mind? What would she be seeing? Bring in all of your senses. What would she be feeling, smelling, touching, sensing? And then we can then have that very clear visual representation of what that looks like and reverse engineer what are the things that I need to start shifting or habits I need to change or, or create to get to that place. So again, I think that's where the law of, of uh, law of attraction also falls a little short is it's a good starting place. And I'm actually a law of attraction practitioner. So I totally like I'm, I'm on board and I believe it and everything, but what's missing in that is the law of action. And so really what you're also bringing in is now I'm actually doing something, not just thinking about what I want. And when you mesh those together, that is a powerful equation to actually create change. How are we able to distinguish between something feeling off and out of alignment with mm-hmm. actually limiting beliefs and mental mm-hmm. drama? Because I know that you speak a lot about intu- intuition versus ego. How yeah. do we know that? What, that actually because we're doing these new habits we're getting Mm -hmm. mental drama because we're freaking out because we've never done it before rather than it being that we're out of alignment how do we know the difference you know I think the more we tap into practices like meditation or just any awareness practice where you're becoming more aware of yourself it becomes much easier to decipher and distinguish what is fear-based, that's the ego, versus intuition-based, which is more like higher self, um, pure truth-based. And so if you're totally unaware of like what you're putting into your body, the energy around you, um, no kind of awareness practice like meditation, doesn't have to be meditation, but then I think it, it becomes very hard to decipher. So I would start with like awareness practices and and just being more mindful in life in general. But then I think once you get this more subtle awareness of energies and your thoughts as well, you can, there's a different texture to these thoughts and the fear-based thoughts are in the ego. They're the ones that are saying, don't do that. Or you might, you might fail. Uh, Don't do that. And you might succeed. Some people have a deep fear of success and what that might look like, the attention of that might mean for them. And that's scary. Uh, And we can start to feel into the, the deeper layers of thought that are coming up that are, that are really just trying to keep you safe and hold you back, play, play small that's all ego. It's there because it thinks it thinks it's protecting you. And you know, this world of survival of the fittest and evolution, it's like we, our body wants to keep us really safe. Uh, but there's a difference between that, that texture of feeling and our intuitive based thoughts or feelings. And, uh, sometimes people can notice a difference between how they feel it. So they might say fear shows up in my gut. I'm like, your, your stomach drops, um, intuition shows up in my heart and I feel it more as like a warm fuzziness in my chest. So that's where I was saying you, it's a very subtle awareness and we have to practice that awareness in our body. And then the intuition, the the higher self guidance that we're channeling, receiving in our lives is also something that I find to be much more clear and concise. There's not so much emotion attached to it. So if you have like all this emotion that's just like clouding and rolling around in your mind, well, it's probably more in the ego. 
if it's clear, concise, like this is the next step in your journey. Here's what I want you to do. Or, you know, you're seeing a sign or you're seeing, seeing a symbol and it's just, it's almost calmer too. It's just like, here's the thing. Here it is on a platter. Take it, take it. Right. Uh, that is how intuition tends to come through for people. So as we start to decipher that, we can make more empowered decisions by knowing, oh, that's just my ego, my fear-based trying, you know, trying to keep me safe versus this thing that might still feel a little scary and there's some nerves around it, but it's almost more of an excitement in nerves of, oh, oh my gosh, I just got this message that I'm supposed to do this and I'm kind of peeing my pants, but I'm going to do it anyways uh, because there's not that fear that's holding us back. A great segue on from that. I'd love to find out from you, how have you been able to evolve your relationship with failure? Because especially many people listening will have similar models where we're launching and I guess we're all launching in some way, whether that is a product, whether that's a new service offering Mm -hmm. that you're excited. You're definitely feeling that like I've created something that I know is going to make an impact, but then instantly Mm -hmm. it's like, but what if nobody signs up? But what if, but what if this, how, especially as someone who does launches, mm-hmm. how are you able to stay in that high vibe where you have goals in mind, but they're not holding, it's not a noose around you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also, I set my goals in maybe a different way than some people. And I use um, the MTO structure. So M is my minimum um, goal. So I have, if it's, a, if it's a program, like a group program, I might have my minimum is 10 and then my T is my target goal. So that's 15. And then my outstanding or overachieving goal would be 20. So right off the bat, now I've set a goal that is not, I need to have 15 women in this program or else I'm a failure. And it it loosens that, that um, internal dialogue that I'm having around, well, 10 is still a win and 15 feels great, and 20 would be freaking amazing. So there's there's a loosening around what it means to succeed or fail just in the way I set my goals, because I'm also a high achiever. I can be hard on myself. I get where people are coming from, and I've certainly felt like there, I've, I've had failures, but I also believe that it's how we respond to those failures. And we can see each failure or perceived failure as simply feedback. Uh, and so oftentimes when, if, when, and if I don't have the maybe minimum number of people that I desired into a program, well, that's just feedback. I didn't actually fail. Let's say if there were eight people instead of 10, I'm still pumped. I'm excited to host and hold the space for these eight women to go through this experience. And then I'm going to take the feedback on why maybe I didn't hit my 15 or my 20 and use that as learning to be able to use in, in the next round. And then the other part I would add here is that the most powerful and effective manifestors that that I know and that I've also experienced personally is is the person who right the the night the card is closing you're still haven't hit your goal you're you're three people away or however many people away and it feels like it it you could choose to believe that it's not possible okay this has failed i'm going to stop posting i'm just going to like shut up for the night and i'm going to put everything away and 8 is 8 whatever 
the most powerful manifestors though are the people who have eight people at 11 p.m and the cart closes at midnight and they still are holding the the vision the embodiment the belief that three more people 10 more people are going to join within that last hour or even trickle into them through the morning because who cares if they trickle in through the morning like they're they're still signing up and that belief even when it looks like it isn't going to happen that's where we start to actually show the universe no i'm here for this i am committed and the, the i'm holding the space the seats are here and they're empty and you are going to fill them with these women to go on this journey with me and that's a powerful shift in mindset as well oh i'm like yes it's so <laughs> true i think all of us can look back at times when we've launched something and we can trace back to the moment where we just stopped believing that it was yeah. possible and, and we start negotiating. Believe, yeah. Yeah. When you don't believe that this thing is valuable and, and worthy of people investing in and like that they're going to have an amazing or transformational experience, whatever that desired outcome is, then how, why would anyone want to sign up? How would you expect someone to be excited to sign up when you're not believing in the value that you have to give? So that's another part of this equation is be deeply committed and believe in yourself and what your the experience you're providing or the value you're providing through your offers so that that comes out more in a subtle energetic way in the way that you're promoting and the way you're talking about it people can just tell how freaking excited you are that they they would feel like it's like fomo they're like oh my god i want to join if i don't join i'm going to be missing out on something amazing yeah oh this is so juicy and this is what I love that you talk about, especially being an, being an empath in business. How are you preserving your energy? Just when you're in a launch and you're having multiple conversations with people, you've also got your goals in the background, you're thinking cart is closing, but also just generally when you're holding space for so many people. Yeah. How are you taking care of your energy? Mm. So part of this has been a shift in a belief, the belief that the, the old belief that there was only a limited amount of energy available to me. And that came so hand in hand with chronic illness because I, I experienced a lot of fatigue. I experienced the desire to crawl into a ball and not do anything some days because my, my, the body was really going through a lot. And so I, during that time, definitely started to, to feel like, oh, well, my energy is limited and I, it's, there's only so much. And it goes to the spoon theory in chronic illness. They talk about, well, you have like, you know, five spoons for the day and you better use them carefully. And while I think that that theory or way of describing energy can be helpful when you do feel like you have low energy and you need to explain to somebody how, um, how valuable that energy is and how you might not have energy for something later, as I started to grow into my business, I realized that belief did not serve me and it was much more abundant thinking, abundant mindset to realize that that energy is not from one source or one bucket in the corner of my room that I just have to pick from and then it's going to be empty by the end of the day. And instead that that source energy within me is infinite, is limitless. And so I can always pull on inspiration and creativity. And yes, I need to sleep. I'm a human being. I do need to like rest for eight to 10 hours a night. But uh, 
just this general relationship with energy started to shift for me so that there wasn't as much scarcity around it. And I also gave myself permission to take breaks. And so um, I buffer my calls 30 minutes. So I have time to just like go refill my tea or uh, maybe drop into a short meditation or just like move my body and stand up and stretch or go kiss my dog and cuddle my, my puggle, <laughs> whatever I want to do. And so allowing myself to just have this roller coaster of, oh, I'm noticing how I'm feeling now. I'm noticing how I'm feeling then. And just not judgment around what that meant about me. And instead just feeling into whatever feelings were coming up really helped me start to amplify my energy. So I didn't feel like I had to like conserve or preserve it anymore. And instead it was just all about um, utilizing it and playing with it and amplifying it so that, uh, I like that same, um, analogy we talked about before there's overflow and there's excess to give to the world. And along with that comes a lot of awareness of when I'm over de delivering and over giving over extending myself. And when it's time to go take a salt bath and discharge a lot of that energy. Uh, but over time and lots of practice, I've gotten better at knowing where my limits are within myself so that I don't um, burn out. Wow. I was had a bit of a breakthrough there. I'd, and as you were saying it, I was like, that is totally me. I am so mm. prescribing to that, that energy is limited. So that's been one of the biggest things that I'm really working on is that I'll have these huge bursts and then I'm like, I won't have enough energy. So I have to retreat. So it's this constant, like up, down, up, down, up, down. And then the energy then required to regalvanize becomes so much yeah. instead of like, honoring those ebbs and flows I love that and it's a great segue to just round up because you did such a beautiful post with this whole 10-year challenge concept and just what you've done just in the last 12 months like wowzer first book 13 different programs fold 74 one-on-one -on -one clients launching a coach program three rounds of your last mastermind like married investment property like so much going on many people can see that from the outside but they don't always know what's been happening to increase your capacity to have and I even look back yeah. now at some of the things that I'm doing and the Naomi of five years ago just wouldn't have imagined that you'd be able to have that capacity to hold so much mm. How have you been able to do that? And we've touched on a lot of it already about energy management, but I just wonder, just even looking back at this year, like if there's anything else that you can share that people can kind of take on. Absolutely. So first we have to hold the belief that this is possible for us. We have to hold the belief that that we are capable of our biggest dreams and our deepest desires. And then I think of it also as holding a, uh, or maintaining a frequency that, that can be a container for all of those things. So like you said, you know, 74, whatever it was, one-on-one -on -one clients I went through and I did the math the other day and, and like all these projects and all these things, right? Well, if I'm not taking care of myself, that would have been really hard. But as I 
increase my capacity to to create and to succeed and to hold the space for all these people in my life what you didn't see behind the scenes was dozens of of breakdowns and falling apart and rebuilding and falling apart and rebuilding and falling apart and rebuilding over and over and over again in february of of this year of 2019 total emotional breakdown i was like what is life? What is happening? Like just so many big questions of the world, feeling like I wanted to hibernate a lot, letting a lot digest and process within me. And uh, just this, the past two weeks, like I mentioned before in, in LA, like there was just so much coming up. And we, I find that in order to, in those moments of breakdown, of shadow, of challenge, in order for us to come out of on the other side with more capacity versus less capacity to have space for all these beautiful things in our life, we have to gain the lesson. If you have breakdown and you just sit in your discomfort and you don't eventually gather the learning or the lesson, then your capacity may decrease. But if you gather the learning, you gather the lesson in that breakdown, I found that your capacity increases and sometimes increases exponentially. You're like, this sucks. I'm having this thing I'm going through. My emotions feel crazy. What is happening? What is life? Who am I? And there's so much discomfort. And at the time you hate it and you're annoyed and I get frustrated by it. And then I, but then I realize, and I'm so grateful for it in retrospect that, oh, that was actually not so much discomfort for after the lesson has been learned, how much exponential growth comes after that. So now as I have these shadowy moments in my life, I'm, I'm like, Ooh, something good is about to happen. So yeah. like this, this sucks right now, but like something good is on the horizon and it's a, about to, to happen. And, uh, I find that gathering the lesson and doing energetic practices like dance, like movement, like breath work, um, like hypnosis and moving the energy through your body also helps you increase your capacity. So that's definitely more in like the etheric world over here of energy, but, um, it's something I very physically feel in my body after each of those breakdowns is, is breakthrough. Uh. I could just talk to you for hours. Thank you so much, Sarah. You've just given so many actionable things that people can take away. I know that you've got your book coming. Can you tell us a little bit more about that so people can continue to learn from you? Yeah, absolutely. So my book is called 21 Days of Healing. It's a self-guided workbook for women who may be struggling to navigate chronic illness, experiencing emotional inflammation, those limiting beliefs that I think you called mental drama. A lot of that stuff is coming up. Um, and just to find the medicine woman within, to realize that you are your own greatest healer. And if you don't believe in your healing, well, then you're, it's going to be hard to find healing. So we have to reconnect to our own power to be able to heal, that healing is possible for you. And as I mentioned, it's workbook style. So there's 21 days of exercises and content and some of my own personal story woven into there. So it's entertaining too, to go through and take yourself through these exercises and be able to achieve those breakthroughs that we were just talking about. And it's based off of a, a program that I've hosted many times live uh, online and uh, is 
the people who have experienced that program, it's their favorites of, of the, all the rounds. And I just compiled that into a self-guided workbook that I'd love for you guys to check out. And then there's also a free book club starting January 1st of the new year, where I'll be going through with everyone and lots of live videos just over on Facebook for free to experience this as well. So where can people get the book from? It's on Amazon. If you just search 21 Days of Healing, or you can over, go over to my website as well. It's my domain is autoimmunetribe.com, and there's a button that says book. And if you go there, it'll have the Amazon link, but it'll also have a link to it's like three bucks cheaper if you buy it from me, and you'll get a signed copy. So it's up to you guys. It takes a little <laughs> longer to get it from the signed copy versus today Amazon Prime shipping, but um, uh, there's two options to purchase there. Awesome. And your Instagram, Sarah, because you've got so much great nuggets there too. Yes. I love hanging out over, especially on Instagram story and just being able to share the behind the scenes, you know, the real life stuff with everyone, with all of you. So it's at the underscore empowered underscore empath at the empowered empath and always sharing little nuggets, nuggets of wisdom and just, yeah, my personal, a little bit of my personal life too on, on that platform. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me today, Naomi. I appreciate it. So that's it for this week's episode of the Lifestyle Edit podcast. You can download more episodes of this podcast and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love a review or recommendation. It's the number one way for us to share these stories and insights with as many creative female entrepreneurs as possible. And don't forget, all the information on how to join the TLE community is in the show notes or simply head to thelifestyleedit.com to sign up.